Our scripture reading this morning is from Ezekiel chapter 4. Ezekiel chapter 4, it is found on page 1289 in your pew Bible. Now, son of man, take a clay tablet, put it in front of you, and draw the city of Jerusalem on it, then lay siege to it. Erect siege works against it, build a ramp up to it, and set up camps against it, and put battering battering rams around it. Then take an iron pan, place it as an iron wall between you and the city, and turn your face toward it. It will be under siege, and you shall besiege it. This will be a sign to the house of Israel. Then lie on your left side, and put the sin of the house of Israel upon yourself. You are to bear their sin for the number of days you lie on your side. I have assigned you the same number of days as the years of their sin. So for 390 days you will bear the sin of the house of Israel. After you have finished this, lie down again, this time on your right side, and bear the sin of the house of Judah. I have assigned you 40 days, a day for each year. Turn your face toward the siege of Jerusalem, and with bared arms prophesy against her. I will tie you up with ropes so that you cannot turn from one side to the other until you have finished the days of your siege. Take wheat and barley, beans and lentils, millet and spelt. Put them in a storage jar and use them to make bread for yourself. You are to eat it during the 390 days you lie on your side. Weigh out 20 shekels of food to eat each day and eat it at set times. Also measure out a sixth of a hin of water and drink it at set times. Eat the food as you would a barley cake. Bake it in the sight of the people using human excrement for fuel. The Lord said, In this way the people of Israel will eat defiled food among the nations where I will drive them. Then I said, Not so, sovereign Lord. I have never defiled myself from my youth until now. I have never eaten anything found dead or torn by wild animals. No unclean meat has ever entered my mouth. Very well, he said. I will let you bake your bread over cow manure instead of human excrement. He then said to me, Son of man, I will cut off the supply of food in Jerusalem. The people will eat rationed food in anxiety and drink rationed water in despair. For food and water will be scarce. They will be appalled at the sight of each other and will waste away because of their sin. Our text is from Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, which says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Congregation of Jesus Christ, have you ever heard of Ezekiel bread? Ezekiel bread is here, the recipe is here in Ezekiel chapter 4. You take wheat and barley and then you add beans and lentils and then you add millet and spelt and you... You mash it all together with a little olive oil, 
and then you actually pound it down into kind of a flat cake. And when we were uh, traveling in the Middle East, they, they made some, some bread for us. Uh, it wasn't quite as... as uh, this is a, a, a fairly harsh recipe. It's, if you ever try it, you should try it, perhaps. It's, it's not terribly fluffy and, and nice. But, and then you would bake it right on the, on the fire. And we saw them. They, they had a fire of sticks. And then at the, at, as it burned down, they spread the coals out. And then they laid the bread right on top. And so all the ashes and things on the bread, and then they flipped it over, and, and then they gave it to us to eat. So you're, you're eating this stuff. And so, so Ezekiel bread is, is a picture of, of, of really the, 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 the harshness of, of, of sin, actually, in, in us and in this world, that, that it's, it's, it's tasteless, it's, it's dirty, it's... Sin, sin in us is 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 hard and 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 as at the sense of of empty that that we are not living on the goodness of the Lord. We are we are living in sin, and so the awfulness of sin and the sinfulness of sin. So that's the picture. Of, of the whole thing, even with human excrement and things and, and people thinking about how they're cooking their bread and eating that bread, and you say, oh, that's awful. Well, sin is awful. Sin is awful. So taste it. And that's, that's an interesting contrast to, to salvation is wonderful. Wonderful. So... Taste that and compare. So that's, that's in the context of, of our having the Lord's Supper, of, of reading from Ezekiel 4, first of all. Ezekiel wants people to see, to recognize the reality of sin and to turn away from it and turn back to God in faith. So that's, that's Ezekiel bread. You can find recipes online. And uh, let me know if you try it, if you want to try a little batch just baked in the oven. It is, it is pretty solid stuff. We read from Ezekiel 4 this morning. We are, we are letting God's Word speak into our lives a challenging message this morning as we think about how we can love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength. That's what we've been looking at over the last number of weeks, how, how we can let that focus our lives. I can tell you for sure that every morning, every morning and probably every night, Ezekiel said these words. Please say them together with me again this morning. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. What a focus for every day. What a focus for our lives. The very Word of God. But how do we do that? How do we live into that? How do we live that out? Ezekiel wondered about that, and we're looking at his prophecy because 
he is, he is in, in writing Ezekiel, he's saying, I did this and I did that and I tried this and I did that. And so, so how do we do this? How do we work this out? And God was guiding him. And so we've seen as, as Ezekiel shares his life with us, his longing to love God with all his heart, soul, and strength, he shows us that the first thing we need is a clear vision of our great God, our God who is greater than all the powers of this world. And in Ezekiel 1, we looked at that. There, there was that vision of wheels and a chariot, and there were cherubim, and above, high above was the Lord. Really the Lord, the Savior, Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you like to see a vision like that? Wouldn't a vision like that just inspire you? Have you seen a vision like that of angels and chariots and all kinds of amazing things? You had a vision like that. You saw a vision like that. You might say, no, I've not seen a vision like that. Here is a vision. This is the vision that God gives you today. Right here. You say, oh, Ezekiel had that vision and he tried to live this out. No, we have that vision. If you can see it, here it is. This is the glory of God. And in Ezekiel's vision, Christ was at the center. Christ is at the center right here. So we, we have that vision. This is our vision. Our vision of God's greatness of what he has done. He has come in Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. And the vision of Ezekiel 2 was that God would come and save the people, deliver the people. We have a greater vision. So we can read through Ezekiel and we can think, oh, how can we go forward loving God with all our heart, soul, and strength? We have no vision. Yes, we have a vision. See the vision again today. And over and over, we see that vision. Jesus at the center, reminding us visibly. We can even touch and taste. Ezekiel couldn't do that. He saw a vision in his mind in the heavens. We can touch and taste. This is God's love for us. And this inspires us to love him in response with all our heart, with all our soul. And with all our strength. Then, then God showed through Ezekiel, what, what do we do in terms of how we live out our, our response to this? And we do that in how we speak. And we looked at that last time. We saw how Ezekiel is, is careful to say things. And, and in fact, he is, he is struck that he is unable to speak even for a, a period of seven years. Seven years, and, and he only says, he only speaks when God opens his mouth and gives him the words to say. And there is a sense of we show our love for God in what we say. And what we say can build up or break down. In what we say, it can draw people to faith or it can drive them away. And so we were reminded to be careful how we speak and to speak things of the Lord and to speak things of faith and of grace and of God. This morning we see the next lesson in the life of Ezekiel and for our lives. Here in Ezekiel 4, we see that 
our actions, our actions are central. People can tell our faith in how we act. And it's, it's, you have to realize it in chapter 4 here, Ezekiel is still unable to speak. So his actions are everything. And that's an interesting point. I mean, you can say stuff, and you can say, oh, I love the Lord, I love Him, He's great, everything's good. But then in your actions, as you cheat your neighbor, as you lie, as you gossip, then, then people will say, hey, wait a minute. It's not true. You don't love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength. You might be saying it even, but in our actions, our actions show what we truly love. Our actions show where our heart is centered. And so our actions, people can see in our actions if we truly love God or not. So we want to be clear in our actions that we love God with all our heart, soul, and strength. And so Ezekiel does in this amazing passage. Let me just explain it to you. It's, a, it's, it's definitely just a, it's remarkable. It's a little, it needs a little explaining. In verse 1 and 2, what happens is Ezekiel uh, takes this clay tablet, and it's probably the size of, of this pulpit here. It's probably, yeah, 60 centimeters by 30 centimeters. They have them uh, in Babylon. They use them to write on and do things with and, and they've even found them archaeologically. They found these tablets. And so he takes one. And it says that, that he, he carves in it, he writes on it, he draws on it. He draws the city of Jerusalem on it, the walls and the outline. And so, so the actual uh, walls of Jerusalem were... were um, the, the main outline, very prominent, and, and, and even the, the general structure drawing of it was, was familiar to people. So, so the thought is either Ezekiel had this tablet and he drew on it, he drew it, uh, the actual outline of the city walls, and so people who looked at it would say, oh, right away, that's Jerusalem. Or, or even if the clay was maybe still a little, a little uh, you could work it a little bit on the top or something, or that he, he set up walls. It's either all drawn, where he draws stuff in, like he draws the ramps and he draws the camps, and, and like he makes a, a drawing, just a flat two-dimensional drawing, or, or even that, that he, he built it up and he built ramps against that brick. He, he built a ramp up against it and maybe set up little camps like a, like a little Lego village or something, right? That he, he worked at it. He, he wanted to make it clear. This is Jerusalem and it's being attacked. And even the battering rams, this is the first time battering rams are mentioned in the Bible. And so, so that they are being threatened, the city is being threatened, it's under siege. When he does that, then the, the people, the exiles who are with him, he's doing this in his house because he's, he's confined to his house. But people come in and they visit with him and they talk to him and they see him there. So he has it on a, on a table or on the ground in his house and, and he goes through putting it together every day. Every day he puts it together again. And so 
they, they come in and they see him doing this. And they are afraid, they are fearful, because it is a prophecy that, that Jerusalem will be attacked. And these exiles have family and friends still in the city. They were exiled to Babylon, but they, they have family and friends still there. And so, so they see this and they are fearful. And they wonder, won't God save his city and, and the city where the temple is and the presence of God is? And that's really their hope and their prayer. They're fearful, but, but they hope in God. Will God save the city? And then, and then it's, it's even, you, you have to picture it. It's, it's as if they've come in uh, in the morning to Ezekiel's house and, and, and he sees them and, and he just nods and welcomes them. And, and then he, he lays his brick down, he draws on it, and he starts on it. And then they're, they're thinking too, oh, but, but God will save the city. And then he comes, he goes to the kitchen, and he comes back from the kitchen with, with the big iron griddle. And, and many of the houses had that, to cook on a big iron griddle, uh, a pan, a square probably, maybe round. And he comes, he comes dragging that in from the kitchen, and he slams it down between him and the city. This big iron griddle. Boom. What's that? That, that there is separation. There is, there is a... a cutting off and then he is representing God and then there's this wall between God and the city and it says very specifically uh, that God's face in verse 3 take the iron pan place it as an iron wall between you and the city and turn your face toward it so God, God continues to look at the city but God is not going to save it. People are hoping, oh, that God would save the city. But, but there's this iron wall. And the understanding of the iron wall is the sin of the people. It's, it's our fault that that wall is there. We put up the iron wall. The people have refused to confess their sin, to repent. In chapter 3 of Ezekiel, we didn't read it, but in Ezekiel 3, verse 7, it says their hearts are hard. How hard? As hard as an iron skillet. That's hard. And they have set that up. And they won't let God minister to them. Rescue them. In Ezekiel 4, verse 7, it says very specifically, and you say, why? It's always good to ask why. Ask, it says in Ezekiel 4, verse 7, the focus is again, turn your face towards the siege of Jerusalem. So that's God. God is looking at it. God is seeing it. God knows it's going on. But it says, do so with your arm bare. And, and they had... They always had the robes and the long sleeves. So he, yeah, Ezekiel bears his arm. And, and he, uh, that's the biblical picture too. God will rescue us with a mighty arm. And so the arm is bare. God is ready to rescue. 
but the iron, iron shield is there. The people have it up. They don't, they don't accept his rescue. So we have a picture of, of always God facing his people. God is always ready to intervene with power and to save, but the people refuse. They prefer to live in their sin. So, so the actions of Ezekiel, his actions are speaking powerfully about who God is. And in this setting, his model makes visible God's visible presence to the people. And in his actions, people can see what is really happening. No words are spoken. Ezekiel is silent. He doesn't say a word. He can't speak. He's mute. But in his actions, The point is God is still facing his people, is always watching, always caring. He's almighty God who is saying through Ezekiel, repent and be saved. Repent and be saved. Every day, every day Ezekiel is acting this out. Every day, over and over. Every day the gospel goes out. The gospel that, that, Jesus, that Jesus brought. The gospel that John the Baptist, when John the Baptist began to preach, when John the Baptist went out into the wilderness, what did he say? Repent and be saved. When Jesus begins his ministry, what does he say? Repent and be saved. It hasn't changed. Gospel is the same. Same for us. Repent and and be saved. So Ezekiel is, is simply explaining that truth, showing that truth. And he does it day after day, 390 days, more than a full year. And he does it then another 40 days. The gospel goes out. In consistent, specific actions, in his life, Ezekiel, in his actions, is, is highlighting that we too would, would continue to recognize God's call on our lives. Repent from your sin, and you will be saved. And to have that as a message to those around us, to point people to that, that saving work of God. And notice as well how, how very uh, specific that saving work is. What is that saving work that God wants to do? In 4, 5, and 6, verses 4, 5, and 6, it's repeated three times. In verse 4, it says, Ezekiel takes an iron pan, places it as an iron wall between you and the city. Um, sorry, to, verse 4, you are to bear their sin. Ezekiel 4, verse 4, you are to bear their sin for the number of days. You are to bear the sin of the house of Israel. That's verse 5. So verse 4, you are to bear their sin, generally. Verse 5, you are to bear the sin of the house of Israel. And verse 6, you are to bear the sin of the house of Judah. You are to bear their sin. And, And the house of Israel is pictured in lying on his left side. That's the northern kingdom. The the model would be facing east. Things always were set up facing east. So if he's laying on his left side, then he is the northern kingdom 
And then if he's reigning on his right side, he's the southern kingdom, Israel and Judah. You will bear the sin. Bear the sin. You will bear their sin. And this is Ezekiel representing God. God will bear the sin of the people. And, and there's, there's a picture there initially of, of, of putting up with. Putting up with. I'll bear with you. If you mess with me, I won't, I won't you know, get upset. I'll, I'll put up with it, right? And if you read through the book of, of Samuel, first and second, and Kings, first and second, you see God bearing the sin of the people. He bears their sin. He, he continues to, to graciously reach out to them through the prophets like Ezekiel, through all his saving mercy in many different ways. God bears their sin. So that's, that's the picture of how God will save. He bears their sin. He is patient. He is kind. He is gracious. He's renewing his covenant. He's always longing to draw them back, even though sinful people shut him out. Ezekiel's message is an active message expressing that great truth of our gracious God. The question then for us, if, if this is Ezekiel's action then, so he wants to love God with his whole heart, soul, and strength, so his action is to, to show this gracious God to people. How do we do that? Do our actions show that God is a gracious and loving God? Do we bear with the sins of others? Colossians 3.13 says, bear with each other. Same thing. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Is this how we act towards others? Is this the powerful action that we are called to? And we have the greater truth even. Ezekiel could not actually forgive the sins of the people. He could demonstrate, but... but the, the actual work of the forgiveness is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Redeemer who came to bear our sins on the cross. And that's exactly what we remember in the Lord's Supper. Jesus came and bore our sin on the cross. He, he actually bore it. He took it and he took it away. That's the grace of God. That's what Ezekiel 4 is picturing, is pointing to Jesus Christ who is the true God, who bears the sins that separate us from God and from one another, who forgives us and sets us free and restores us to a right relationship with God. He moves that iron, that iron plate. He shatters it so that we can go to God and God can come to us and we can live in humble relationship with him every day. Do we we show that? Do we show that in, as Colossians 3.13 says, forgiving others as the Lord forgave us? And we said the Lord's Prayer together. Forgive me my sin as I forgive others. 
Do we, do we shatter those hard, hard, unforgiving attitudes of our heart? That's the challenge for us this morning through this word from Ezekiel. That's the most powerful action. We can talk about all kinds of actions we can do, and to live Christianly is a powerful thing, and to try to do that in all kinds of ways. The most powerful way is if we forgive. If we would actually forgive. Do you forgive? Do you forgive people in the church when they upset you? Or do you grab the iron plate and smash it down between the two of you and you're not talking to them again? What do you do? I know people in church who don't talk to each other. Just don't. Don't talk to each other anymore. There's an iron plate there. Forgiveness. Smashes that sinful. People in your family, in your own biological family, closer or further away, when they hurt you, there are families with iron plates here and there. We don't talk to them, they don't come with us. The example, the action speaks. Have you been forgiven? Then forgive. Sometimes even in marriages between spouses. Not talking to each other. Not talking. What is that? As Christians, together, praying, living, talking, sharing, forgiving. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13 it says, Do not keep a record of wrongs. Forgive as God has forgiven you. It's hard. I I tell you, it's hard. We know it's hard. But we are called in this most powerful of actions as we are forgiven to forgive. Jesus says as well when asked about this, even when we think, too, I might do it once, but then not again. And, and people come to Jesus. Disciples come to Jesus and say, well, how often should we forgive? He says, always. Seven times seven. Seventy times seven times. You need to live out a forgiving life. And that people experience you forgiving them. They have hurt you, but you forgive them. Because you have hurt God. And he forgives you. That's the action that's being portrayed here. That's the action that we are challenged to live out. Challenge you this morning to think about who you need to forgive. And that you forgive them. Go to them, speak to them, show it to them. We can't do it in ourselves. But as we take the vision of God's forgiving grace into our hearts, then we have the strength to forgive as God forgives us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we lift up ourselves to you and we pray that you would come into our hearts again by your forgiving grace and make us to those